Hello, hello, and welcome to Art House Garage, the snob-free film podcast where we make art house, indie, classic, and foreign cinema accessible to the masses. I'm your host, Andrew Sweatman, and today on the show, we're discussing the new film from director Ira Sachs called Passages. Filmmaker Ling Tran returns to the show for that discussion, and we also have a sneak preview of an exciting upcoming film from an Arkansas filmmaker named Paula Blanco Perez. Paula joins the show to tell us all about it. Don't go anywhere. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Art House Garage. We're going to talk about the new film Passages from director Ira Sachs and starring Franz Rogowski, Ben Wishaw, and Adele Exarchopoulos. But just before we do... We're going to hear from a local filmmaker named Paula Blanco Perez. I had the pleasure of seeing Paula as an actor recently in Mark Thiedemann's film The Gates of Hell that played at the Kaleidoscope Film Festival. And I met Paula soon after that and learned she is a director as well and has an exciting new film in the works called Conscious. Now here to tell us all about it is filmmaker Paula Blanco Perez. Welcome to the podcast, Paula Blanco Perez. How are you today? Good. How are you? Doing very well. So glad to talk with you. I saw you recently in a film uh, directed by Mark Thiedemann and happy to meet you now and, and learn about your own <laughs> filmmaking stuff. But, Me um, too. Thank yeah. you. Absolutely. Well, so I believe you've directed a few films before. Tell us about yourself, how you got into filmmaking and kind of your filmmaking experience so far. Yeah. Um, so, yes, how I got into filmmaking, uh, I guess it's 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 a long story. But uh, basically, since I'm from Spain, uh, since, since I was in Spain as a teenager in high school, um, I was always very, very interested in how movies were made. Mm-hmm. Um, so my crazy teenage years, I decided that I wanted to go to the U.S. and try to chase my my dream there and figure out how movies were made and kind of join that part of of the industry and um i ended up at at uca in conway arkansas and um i have been in conway for seven years well actually i was uh, in fayetteville for a year but uh, it's been a long time now and that's where i got my degree and uh, i'm now getting my master's and um yeah that's how I, i started with all these um opportunities that i've had and i I've directed quite a few quite a few films, um, short films. Um, one of them, The Lion. Um, it's it's shown in Made in Arkansas, uh, Fayetteville Film Festival, um, a bunch all around, um, and also like outside of the uh, the state, um, which is about Alzheimer's, and we, we shot it through mirrors, which which was very uh, unique and very fun to do. And um, I've also done music videos, um, one that was in the uh, California Music Awards, was nominated oh, for Best cool. uh, Student Music Video, which was very cool. Um, and then right now I have uh, my film Mirona, which is going on the festival circuit. Um, and it's it showed uh, Made in Arkansas, and I'm, I'm hoping it can show in some other festivals around the state soon. So, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I noticed that you have a handful on your Vimeo page, so I can link to that for people to check out your work <laughs> cool. that's out there. Yeah. Um, and then you have a new film coming up that you're currently fundraising for, right? Tell us about that film. What's it called and what's it about? Yeah, so, okay, this film is called uh, Cantas. It's a Spanish word. It means uh, court, like basketball court, football court, mm. something like that. Um, but the, the, the meaning of the word doesn't have to do much with the actual topic of the film. Um, it's just a symbolic thing, uh, nostalgic for me. But um, basically, Cantas is my, my thesis film. As I said, I am getting my master's at UCA in film production. And um, this is my final project as a student, which is very exciting. Um, so I decided to be ambitious and, and go big. And um, this is going to be UCA's first student-led international production. Wow. And it's going to be filmed in Madrid, Spain, which is where wow. I'm from. Uh, yeah, so very, very cool, very exciting. Um, the film, uh, the production is going to be like um, five people from, from here, from Conway, are coming with me to Madrid. And we're collaborating with 10 people. Um, from the film school in Madrid, um, all very amazing people were already collaborating through casting wow. and other stuff. Uh, so super exciting and we're filming um, at a hospital in my parents' house and well, so the film is about, um, it's based on my mother's experience <clears throat> through the COVID lockdown in Madrid. Mm -hmm. um, so it follows the life of this dermatologist um, during the COVID lockdown as she goes to the hospital um, and she deals with a bunch of stories there and hardships, right? Um, at the same time that she has to keep herself isolated at home from her mm -hmm. husband and her son um, to like keep them safe, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so it is one day in her life um, as this was going on. So it's kind of like um, ordinary life in very special circumstances. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, which is what I wanted to to explore. Well, that is all really exciting and sounds so interesting. Uh, did you know that you'd make a film about COVID? Is that something you've wanted to do or what inspired you to make a film mm. about that? Um, so it's not like I wanted to make a film yeah. about COVID, <laughs> right? Um, I don't think that was in my to-do list. But um, basically, as I said, this is inspired um, in my mom's story and Whenever the whole COVID lockdown stuff happened back in March 2020, right? Um, my country, Spain, got, got hit very hard. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember being here in Arkansas and just talking to my friends and my family and everybody that, that were in Madrid. And they were locked in their apartments, right? And in Madrid, it's very common to live in an apartment, some of them with like no balcony or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So people were barely seeing the sun. Yeah. And it was just very crazy, um, very crazy to me, right? That all my friends and family were in that situation while I was here. So I lifted very closely through them. Um, and especially with my mom, um, she volunteered to, to work at the COVID uh, unit with COVID patients mm -hmm. um, because they needed more people and she just wanted to help out however she could, even if she was gonna be at risk. Um, so everything she shared with me, um, everything she told me while I was here, I lifted through her so much and I saw so much strength in her um, and 
it inspired me a lot to to tell that story. And right now, I think, you know, it's like COVID passed. We still see that's around, but we don't give it that much importance anymore. Uh, and I mean, it's okay, right? It's like, well, how we all said, it'll, it's the next flu, right? It'll, mm -hmm. it'll become part of, of our lives. But I think it's important to remember what we went through as a society yeah. and what people like my mom, but also doctors and, uh, you know, medical stuff, but also just uh, essential workers, right? Um, gave everything and put themselves at risk every day um, to keep things going, to save lives, to save strangers that they didn't know. Mm -hmm. And everything they went through, like physically, but also emotionally, right? Um, I think it's important to not forget yeah. in a way that that happened and we got over it, right? And as a society, we moved forward. Um, but I think we, I consider that we are starting to be ready to revisit mm. um, what that was and how that um affected us and what, what some people did did for us so this film is like an homage to 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 my mother and to doctors um but also just uh a little um you know like remember yeah this this is what they did for us um so so that's how i ended up yeah. talking about covid but i said this film for me it's more about emotional strength and sacrifice mm -hmm in this woman's specific story in COVID circumstances. Yeah. Well, yeah, it seems like a really just rich uh, place to find stories. So I, I'm, I'm really excited to see this film when it's cool. ready. Um, how can people get involved and stay up to date with the film? Um, yeah, so we have a few things going on. We've been fundraising for a while, but uh, we have an Instagram page. Um, it's at Contest Film. Um, we also have a Facebook page. It's also it's called Kansas Film. Um, and then we have a GoFundMe, which is how we've, we've been raising uh, money, family, friends, people that want to support us and yeah. follow us. Uh, people that make donations through there will get email updates about the film as we go. Um, we also do have um, an open collective campaign. So we're being... Mm -hmm hosted our fiscal sponsor is the arkansas cinema society oh, cool. um so yeah so people that want to um support us through through the our fiscal sponsor um and support us as a non-profit that that can happen too and in all of these campaigns you can find a pitch video of me talking a lot more about this project and in a bunch of other information um, also, we are going to be in the um, Hispanic Heritage Festival in Little Rock, which is September 16th um, at 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. So we're going to be there. We're going to be selling Spanish fans, uh, cool. very, very typical uh, from Spain, and just raising money for, for the film. Um, and also we're going to have, if you follow us on Instagram, on Facebook, you'll see uh, very soon we're going to announce we're doing a raffle for um, a DSLR camera, um, a oh, Canon nice. Rebel P5 with uh, lenses and a whole kit, basically. Um, yeah, to try to raise some more, some more money yeah, there and, cool. um, and also just kind of try to give out to the community as well. And yeah, so those are ways you can follow us. Um, 
I know because this is a UCA uh, thesis film, we will be premiering uh, in the spring, either March or April, I believe. Uh, we'll have a premiere at UCA. Um, and then from there, hopefully we'll, we'll go to festivals all around. That's the goal. So, yeah. so yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Paula, for coming on and sharing about this. I'm going to link to all those things in the show notes awesome. so people can get to it quick. And um, yeah, again, I'm really excited to see this and hope uh, all the best with the festival run and everything else. So thanks thank so much. You. And, thank uh, you. Thank yeah. you so much for having me here. This was great. Absolutely. And I have to have you back again sometime soon. <laughs> yes, I would love to. <laughs> Thanks so much, Paula. I love highlighting exciting local filmmakers whenever I have the chance. If you're a filmmaker in Arkansas and you'd like to spread the word about a new project, feel free to reach out on Instagram DMs or by email. You can find those links in the show notes of this episode. And now let's move ahead to Passages. The film is directed by Ira Sachs and stars Franz Rogowski as Tomas, an impulsive filmmaker who is married to Ben Wishaw's character Martin. Things get complicated at the beginning of the film when Tomas has an affair with Agat, played by Adele Exarchopoulos. You'll hear more about the film in just a moment, but I was really impressed by the writing and the performances in this small relationship drama that acts mainly as a character study of Rogowski's Tomas. My guest today is the wonderful Ling Tran, a filmmaker in Chicago whose latest film, Waiting for the Light to Change, won Slam Dance earlier this year. Ling joined the show previously to discuss the Souvenir, Part 1 and 2, as well as The Eternal Daughter. Based on what I know of Ling's film taste, Passages seemed like a film that would be right up her alley, and when I saw on Letterboxd that she had seen it three times, I knew I had to have her on to talk about it. So, without further ado, here is my discussion with Ling Tran about the film, Passages. You know what I was doing last night? No, but whatever it was, you sound very excited. My party and my husband doesn't want to dance with me. I'll dance with you. Maybe we have to take more risk. Yeah, so now you're falling in love with someone else, you're taking that risk. Think what's happening between us. You cannot change someone like him. But they think what they want to do. I think I'm falling in love with you. I say that to know that image. I say it when I feel it. You say it when he talks for you. I felt something that I hadn't felt in a very long time. This is what always happens, we just forget. Welcome back to the podcast, Ling Tran. How are you? Hi, thank you for having me. I'm great. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing really good. Yeah, it's good to talk to you again. Uh, we talked about all sorts of things last time with the souvenir. So I'm excited to have you back because that was a great one. Um, and we also talked about your film at that time, Waiting for the Light to Change, which I think there's been some news recently, right? What's the latest with with your film? Um, It's... So we talked in January, right? That's that's a lot of things right. has happened. Yeah. Um, 
as you know, and we finally got distribution and we are having a theatrical run one week in New York and one week in Chicago starting, I believe next Friday or next, yeah, next Friday. Yes. Next Friday. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I've been seeing stuff on your Instagram all the time. I'll make sure to link to whatever I can for showtimes and stuff, because I realized recently looking at my analytics, I'm in Arkansas and a lot of my listeners are in Arkansas. I actually have a lot of New York and Chicago listeners too. Which is wow. Cool. So hopefully maybe some people can go see it uh, because I, I would love to see it on the big screen. I still have just seen seen it at home, but I loved it. And uh, I'm so excited that more people can see it now. But well, well congrats. That's really cool. Thank you so much. Thank you so yeah. much. Well, today we're going to talk about passages, which <laughs> if anyone sees the video here, you have the poster right behind you. <laughs> Just so cool. Um, I it's funny. I just watched this film kind of on a whim. I this is a, directed by Iris Sachs. It's my first Iris Sachs film to ever see. Um, I was see. yeah. I was on a trip to Portland actually just to see a friend up there, and I was like, I should see something that's not playing in Little Rock because we don't get all the movies here, unfortunately. Um, and I was like, oh, Ben Wishaw. This seems like my you know mid budget low key drama. That's like lately. That's just what I want to do. I could have actually my cinephile card. I lose it because I could have gone to see Oppenheimer in 70 millimeter at the same time. But I was like, I don't, I really just am in the mood for something more chill. And I've already seen Oppenheimer and it's so heavy, whatever. So anyway, I opted for this and I was so glad I did. Uh, so I'm excited to hear about your experience with it. Cause it looks like you've seen it a few times and maybe you, it grew on you over time based on your letterboxed reviews. So tell me about your experience with passages. Um, first of all, I mean, this might be a hot take, but I think you made the right decision there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I really love Oppenheimer and I've actually never seen a 70 millimeter thing. And I was like, this would be a great opportunity, but I was just like, I am just not in the mood, but anyway, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, um, well, for me, I first saw this at Chicago critics film festival, mm-hmm. by the way, great film festival. If you're like a, yeah like Cinefy in Chicago. They just have amazing, amazing programs. And my film was in the program, which was, I was like, whoa. Yeah. Um, And it was playing at the Music Box Theater here in Chicago. So this film, when, when, um, when, so before, before you go to the, before the, the, each movie plays, like at the festival, they have the, they have this like slideshow of like all these films and mm-hmm. a little bit of a kind of like a, how do you say it? It's like a, a quote from a critic, like on mm-hmm. the side, because, you know, it's a critics film festival. Yeah. And this one, I think it's say something, something, something sexy and so yeah. very French. And I'm like, <laughs> so I saw that same quote. I was like, oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think it's from uh, Ryan Tellerico from uh, Roger Ebert. Mm. Um, so I went to see it it was so one screening for every film in this festival and this was on the same day as at my um, as my film and I was I was just like okay all these movies are great and I'm getting to see all of them for free so Mm. I literally was there every day and I saw this one and I came out I'm like wow I don't know why I feel like it's not like a hundred percent like perfect. It's not, and I, I mean, it's, it's not parasite. 
Mm. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, but I'm like, I really feel the urge to like watch this again right away, you know, but it's not mm. out yet. And um, I went home and I, at first I was like, okay, maybe this is like a 7.5 out of 10, you know, ratings are very arbitrary anyway. Mm. But I'm like, I, it's, it's not quite like perfect, perfect. And it doesn't like really razzle dazzle you right mm. away. And I came back and I thought about it a little bit. I'm like, there's something about this movie is like really, really charming. And mm. I really want to see it again. And then it came out uh in theater and uh i went with my dp for waiting so we mm -hmm. both went to see this movie and the experience for the second screening was like so different from the first mm -hmm. so the first screening it was like at i don't know 2 30 p.m on like a i don't know like a sunday or something i, I can't mm -hmm. remember but this is like this huge theater like 750 seats mm -hmm. and I think there are probably less, like fewer than 200 seats filled in the theater and like nobody laughed or anything. It was like pretty low key. The movies mm. was great, of course. And uh, and the second screening was like in a smaller theater and it was like, like almost a full house and everybody was roaring. Like mm, everybody was dying of laughter. And, and like, I just like realized, oh my God, this movie is fucking hilarious. <laughs> And and now that now that like you know the the plot isn't really like the you know in the in the foreground for me anymore, I started to like notice like how it's covered and like how moments are um, you know like portrayed and like the motifs like visually mm. and emotionally, and you know the parallelism. Um, actually, the parallelism like I didn't get it until like the third watch. So I like, after the second watch, I'm like, wow, this is like not a 7.5 out of 10. This is like a 4.5 out of 5. <laughs> it's like a 9 out of 10. <laughs> yeah. And then um, and then on the third, well, the third one, the third screening was like, I, I was like, I was on a dating app and I was like, okay, <laughs> it says it is a perfect date night movie. How about I take a date to see this movie? So I took a date to see this movie. Um, and it was the movie was just so funny like it it didn't stop being funny mm. and I started noticing like other things you know it's like every time you watch a movie like you gain something um, I think that just like that speaks to excellent filmmaking Yeah, and it's so tight yeah. And definitely, I thought that um, like Agath's character in the movie mm -hmm. at first was like a little thin, but then after the second and third watch, I decided. Well, I thought to myself, you know what? That's for a reason, you know. Mm. And um, yeah, I really love it, and I loved it so much that I asked the music box theater if I could have the standee poster that they had. <laughs> it's literally so big that you know if i stand up next to the poster is like almost my height <laughs> i love it that's awesome so that's interesting so i saw it in like a really small little art house theater and it was not even that was not packed so like there definitely are some moments i thought were funny mostly about the bluntness of uh, the main character um but that's fascinating to hear that like everyone was like really laughing a lot i definitely want to see it a second time to kind of 
trying to key into some of that. Um, wow. So I want to ask you about the parallelism thing because I maybe know what you're talking about. But first, so this was your first Iris X film too. What about the performers? Had you seen any of these actors and other things? And uh, how did you feel about their performances in this? Yes, I have seen, well, I've seen... Um, uh, how you pronounce Adele's last name? Like, yes, it's hard. Uh, let me look hard. at the word so I can say it. I think it's like Exar- Exarchopoulos. I'm not Exar- sure if that's right. But she's um, in uh, oh. Blue is the Warmest Color, right? Mm-hmm. So I've seen her in that one. And actually, I think she might come out as like the the most watched actress for me this year. Because I really? saw this three times, obviously. And then I saw The Five Devils, which is on movie mm-hmm. right now. Ooh, and I, I saw out. her in this other film called Zero Fox Given. Like I have heard of that. Uh, one. She's in she's in a lot of like, I don't know, kind of like new filmmakers, um, like movies like this year and like in the mm-hmm. past uh couple of years. And I really like her. I like she's just such a watchable um actress, you know, and I remember mm-hmm. The first time I was like, oh, wow, this actress is so good. It was like that scene where she eats spaghetti in Blue is the Warmest mm-hmm. Color. And I think I, I I was watching that and I thought to myself, oh, my God, I can like just use like eating as like a method of casting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I really like her. I saw Ben Wishaw in uh, Talking Women mm-hmm. and... Ah, oh, something else that I saw pretty recently too, but I can't remember. I've seen him in a bunch of things. Um, this one by far is probably my favorite performance mm, by him. He's in wonderful a, in this, yeah. Yes, and and Franz uh, Rogowski, it's just amazing. I saw him in uh, Great Freedom in Transit. Okay. Um, uh, Undine. Yes, really uh, that's one of the few things I've seen him in. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's very magnetic, and mm-hmm. like he has a great voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah. very much. So he's so watchable. I, yeah, I think I've only seen him in Undine, and he's in A Hidden Life. I don't remember who he is. There's so many people in that. I can't remember what his role is. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, it's like I know his face really well, and uh, yeah, he's so watchable even when he's making decisions that are sometimes pretty questionable in this movie mm-hmm. but then um yeah uh i have only seen adele in a few things too but yeah she's so she's something like so grounded about her that she like she's very down to earth even though she's like so beautiful like i was thinking about like okay like margot robbie's beautiful and doesn't seem like a real person you know but yeah. adele does yeah. i think she seems like someone you could you know meet and know um oh. Absolutely. something like that but then ben wishaw he he's become like a really special actor to me for i haven't even seen him in that many things like i always knew he's the voice of paddington and then i think he's in the 007 movies i haven't seen the latest ones of those but i didn't um, know he was the voice of paddington yes that's what, what i knew him from first he's the voice of paddington and he's so oh. good in that um but this is like with women talking that you mentioned and this two performances that just have like knocked me out so much and it, it seems like the character in the film that i kind of relate to the most in both of these films is is his character and mm-hmm. 
just he just breaks my heart i don't know what it is about him he's like he's he seems so like kind and gentle and then just has such a depth of feeling even though a lot of it you can tell is like under like he, he's not like big in his performance you know a lot of it's yeah. like behind his eyes or like yes. internal and you can just like you can feel what he's feeling without him like you know screaming and shouting it i don't know it's i'm really impressed by it and um yeah and this this movie i thought he was fantastic yeah so i'm a big ben wishaw fan i need to like go back and watch a bunch of his older stuff because i was looking at his filmography he's like he's in so many things that i've never Actually, seen Give me one second. I like really, I'm like really hung up on this because I saw him <laughs> in something recently. I need to look it up. Okay. I've got his IMDb up. Let's see. So Women Talking was a recent one. He's in Perfume. I remember that Mary movie back in the day. Poppins. Cloud Atlas. Uh, he's in Fargo, the TV Davis show. Oh, he's in the David Copperfield movie. Interesting. Yeah. All kinds of stuff. Oh, he's in The Lobster. I have seen that, but I didn't. Oh, Lobster. Yes. That's what I was thinking of. I can't remember he's, who he is uh... in that. Yep, he's uh he's one of the one of the guys in the hotel. Okay, Ooh. I need to definitely watch that again because especially with uh, Yorgos Lanthimos' new film coming up, I I really want to watch rewatch Ooh. a couple and then I like, I've never seen a few of his big ones too. So yeah, I yeah I love I love Yorgos Lanthimos. I'm looking up to him <laughs> for my upcoming project. Ah, that's exciting. Um, well, yes, Ben Wishaw, incredible in this. Uh, and really, I think all the acting is really, really good. Um, what other aspects of the filmmaking did you like or not like? And actually, let me ask you about the parallelism. What what, um, what did you key into on that third watch? I think it's... Um, I With this, like, there's like one particular moment that I thought mm -hmm. of, or like I realized that there's something going on there. Um, you know, Do you remember the scene where... Agath rejects this one guy um, outside of of the cutting like studio. Yeah, where... so, yeah. so she's gone through a breakup right at the beginning of the film, and he kind of yeah, comes that's right. Yeah, so he's she's... like, she's yeah. like, here's your key yeah, back, yeah. and mm -hmm. and you know, he tries to kiss her. She's like, no, 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 um, no, yeah. and and like he starts calling her names and stuff, yeah. mm -hmm. and so that's like a scene of her breaking up with someone mm -hmm. uh, or like you know not taking someone back and then at the end of the movie you see exact same thing happen with Tomas and her yeah. mm -hmm. and it's so it's different and you know that's that says something about Tomas character you know like how in such a situation like this other person's treating like these two guys very differently yeah mm -hmm. I think uh i think that like is something that kind of humanizes um tomas as a person mm -hmm. even though he's like such a narcissist and uh and he's just so bad he's like <laughs> i remember seeing like a letterbox uh review that say what a menace <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i saw something like that too that said like is there a more chaotic gay <laughs> that's pretty funny yeah yeah but like it's like at the end of the day, though, you can't hate this character for some reason. Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because I think it would be easy to villainize him, and because it's like he sort of gets all this drama started. Um, but yeah, there's something about. I mean, he's incredibly confident for one thing, and he just it feels like he's like I don't know. 
there's there's so much talk of this you're like okay living your truth and like being yourself and being who you want to be and maybe this is like the 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 nth degree of that where it can be harmful or something i don't know like he's so keyed into like his own um wants and needs which is a good thing to be keyed into your wants and needs but he's so keyed into those that he's not thinking about the people around him as much and yeah to where that gets easy to call him a menace or something or he yeah chaotic he he is because I, I was really struck like when he so he he meets her at the beginning and they hook up and then he comes home the next morning and he immediately tells his partner like what has happened which i didn't expect like he's like he's incredibly honest and he's like hey here's the thing that happened and it's like if we care about each other let's care about each other's wants and needs right um which we over time that becomes more and more one-sided i think because mm-hmm. initially ben wishaw's character martin is he again i've only seen it the once but he's frustrated and it is he seems annoyed but he's also like you can do whatever you want and like we can figure it out but then it you know continues to progress and progress as the whole movie goes on but yeah i just think the dynamic there is really interesting and because like they seem to be very open and honest with each other like there are admirable things about that um even though by the end of the movie you can see like he's he's kind of been his own undoing uh tomas has but yeah i don't know what, what do you think yeah. about him as as far as likable or not likable well um well the movie starts with him on set as a director oh, I yeah. think, and that like immediately makes him very relatable to mm. me at least you know because yeah. like between myself my mentors and my peers like mm-hmm. i've seen characters like this like not like in like like the same in the personal life but like acting like this on set or like mm-hmm. having this kind of power or having this kind of i don't know frustration or like struggle yeah and you know the the, the artist type and mm-hmm. um he's attuned to a lot of a lot of things and and i that's what made me relate to the character at first like not knowing anything else mm-hmm. it's like it's just the first watch it's just very very straightforward i love the opening um and but you know like you like you said he's very selfish but he's very honest you know like i he he attempted to lie i mean yes he he lies sometimes Mm -hmm. but um but in a very like wishy-washy kind of way like, yeah, I forgot. Like at the beginning, like, he is very honest, but then towards the end, you're right. He has some pretty major, yeah, dishonest yes. moments too. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very hard to pin down. Like he's not really like a hundred percent honest or like a hundred percent dishonest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's uh, there's one there's that one scene where uh, him and um, Agat in bed, mm-hmm. and he's like. I think I'm falling in love with you. And she said, you just say that because it's convenient. And he's like, mm. he's like, I say it when I feel it. Or, you know, mm. like, I, I feel like that is his character. Yeah, like, I say it when like, I feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like doing everything to, you know, acting out his feelings mm-hmm. and things like that. And like you said, disregard, like a, a complete disregard yeah. um, for other people's emotional states or feelings um kind of manipulative you know yeah. but 
but there is a there are like some moments in the film where you see like that scene where he comes back and um goes into the bathroom and sees uh what's his name the the writer mm-hmm. um, really cool yeah and he comes out and he realizes what's happening and he <laughs> goes to like the the bottom of the stairs of the building and like like cries quietly mm-hmm. so you know like there are like ways that Irisak really made us um give us like a pathway to this character's like psyche mm-hmm. that maybe even himself he's not like quite aware of or, like he's yeah. he's confused that's what he yeah. said in the movie he's confused um and i feel like well there's a lot of humanity in that so it's, um you know you you get to understand the character a little bit like maybe not like empathize completely but it's kind of impossible to hate him or like just call him mm-hmm. just a menace or i would like shy away from simplifying his characters just yeah. because you know there are these bits and pieces that you are you have access to like watching this movie about this character that the character might or might not even like fully understand themselves so yeah it's i guess it's very complex anti-hero yeah yeah i think that's a good yeah. way to say it yeah yeah it's interesting like you're right the line about i say it when i feel it like if you feel like he's very like short-sighted living in the moment only and like without maybe any any awareness of like longer term things like i think about one of the things that i did key into as being really funny was the scene where her parents come and like they're they're like well we're really concerned and he's like why like like he seems to not even have any awareness of like we're talking about like a really long-term future here and um yeah i thought that was really interesting but it's interesting to hear you talk about that opening scene too because it is very much like he you know he is in control of his set and he knows exactly what he wants on the screen and like maybe that takes that kind of um I know exactly what I want right now and I can make it happen right now. Um, but I can also see someone watching that scene and like, well, he's kind of being mean to these actors. <laughs> like maybe that's, you know, there's two sides of that as um, the way he's commanding the room in a way uh, as there are positives and negatives, even to that. But yeah. I, yeah, I feel like, the, Oh, I, I was going to say, I feel like him being a filmmaker is really crucial Mm. to the character because uh i mean being a filmmaker myself you know like the 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 personality you know your personality on set or like working could bleed into your personal life Mm -hmm. and being a director on like a film is like so much stress and like a lot of responsibility but also everybody is looking to you for your vision and so willing to do whatever you want or like express, you know, like, like you have the, most of the time, like you have the final say to, you know, performance or like the mm-hmm. framing or something. And, um, and it probably is how like he's used to like functioning wise, like in life. Yeah. Especially, it looks like he's an established director in that in the mm-hmm. film, so yeah. that makes sense to me. And um, also being like a being like an artist, uh, 
like sometimes it's like like that void that you always like try to fill and mm. i feel like there's some of yeah. that present in this character here mm -hmm. yeah it's like he feels like he needs something new or something um yeah that's really interesting wow I didn't realize like last time you were here, you talked about a film about filmmaking and I oh. <laughs> think about here we are again. It's perfect. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> not as, about. not as much about filmmaking, but yeah, that, I actually had forgotten that that was how it opened, but like, that's important to the, the story. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, so about, about, about the parallelism, I think there's maybe like not much parallelism, but also like repetition also mm -hmm. in the film i think it was used super uh effectively like with the i feel like there's a lot of you know same kind of actions but then different reaction like him mm -hmm. trying to pack well and move out like yeah, multiple yeah. times and mm -hmm. then at the end too like he's still packing for yeah. to go to venice mm -hmm. like um and and each time like you meet with a different reaction from Martin mm. and to me that's really effective efficient filmmaking and like super neat and clean I really mm. love that a lot yeah yeah that's really that's a good point but yeah there's like multiple packing scenes there's like multiple breaking up in different things and like are we broken up or you know, can I sleep in this house or in this apartment? And then what might happen then and all of that. Yeah, I think that's, that's all really, really well done. Um, I was just thinking about the scene. This may be the biggest dishonesty that he has is the scene when uh, Martin has coffee with Agat and the information that comes out there. Maybe I, not really a huge spoiler kind of a movie, but um, the devastating news that he gets there that, and, and like, for one thing, Ben Wishaw's performance in that scene is so incredible because he's he's like embarrassed that he didn't know, and he's also so upset at Tomas for not telling him the truth. And um, yeah, it's like I think leading to that as sort of like the the, the nuance and how he's feeling in that moment and all all that situation. I think I guess the writing. I think of all that leading to that is really really good. So mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I was really impressed with this movie. Do you have any kind of final thoughts or anything you want to say about it before we wrap things up? Um, I think wait, there's uh, there's one thing that I really like about this movie that uh, I think I'm gonna take for myself. Yeah. Uh, like uh, for you know movie making in the future, yeah. that's like the intimate scenes, like the sex mm -hmm. scenes, and scenes in the bedrooms. Uh, these. I was like, I was telling my friends, like, this movie is probably the sexiest movies that I've seen yeah. in the last, like, few years. Because mm -hmm. everything, like, when you have a, when you have a sex scene, it happens in one long take. And you see it from beginning to end. And you're, like, yeah. so, um, it's like you're in the room. But at mm -hmm. the same time, there's something, it's like, it's like a visual motif that we, that the first time I saw it, I didn't really, like, mm -hmm catch and then i saw it again and, and i caught it is every time they like talk or they have this like argument or maybe they have sex it's always one person like obscuring the other person it's like mm, interesting it's like you you know you, he's talking and we see the back of his head and the back of his head covers martin's head and they're arguing 
Mm-hmm. And like I caught myself during the movie going like this, like tilts my head, like talking around. to the other like person. The you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like you you try. There's like this really, um, really intimate and very private moment that maybe like couples, you know, you you, you will never get to know like these things in somebody else's relationship. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, I feel like. The scene is very intimate, but it's like very private against the eyes of the camera mm-hmm. and the audience. And I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Yeah, I'm thinking about thinking about the one sex scene for sure. I'm remembering like you really only see the back of one person. And it's like you can't see exactly what's going on, but you see enough to like know what's happening. Um, but yeah, I think that's a really good point because like thinking about how relationships are and like the relationships feel so real in this that... I never found myself thinking like, oh, how could you behave that way? Or how could you speak that way to each other or whatever? Because it's like, oh, this is their dynamic and it feels so real and lived in There's something about like, so I guess it's like the performances, but also like the connections, the dynamic between all of the performers, I think is really, really well done too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Up for another watch pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely am. Having only seen it once, it'd be like end of the year making top 10 lists kind of thing. I need to definitely revisit yes. it and consider it there, but we're definitely cool. my number one for this year right now. Nice. All right. Very cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. Link has been a great conversation and uh, I can't wait to have you back again soon. Thank you so much. Huge thanks to Ling. Such a joy to talk to, and I highly recommend checking out her film whenever you can. As mentioned, if you live in Chicago or New York, some screenings are coming up, so check the link in the show notes to find out more. Stay tuned. Next time, we're finally getting back to our Darren Aronofsky series. I know I said that would happen this week, but some illness delayed us. The next one will cover Requiem for a Dream and Black Swan. The wonderful Michael J. Darty will return for that. There will be one more Aronofsky episode after that, and then... It's almost award season, so some big titles are coming up soon, which should make for a lot of great podcast episodes. So with that, thank you so much for listening to Art House Garage. We have a few years' worth of episodes now. You can hear all of those in your podcast app of choice. Our theme music is by composer Paul Hunefeld. Learn more at appallingproductions.com. If you want to support Art House Garage, become a patron over at patreon.com slash arthousegarage or find a link in the show notes. You can also buy an Art House Garage t-shirt at arthousegarage.com slash shop. If you want to support us without spending any money, leave a rating or review in your podcast app. That is hugely helpful. Stay in the loop about Art House Garage and the films we're covering by subscribing to our email newsletter at arthousegarage.com slash subscribe, or you can email me directly, andrew at arthousegarage.com. And of course, follow on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Just search at Arthouse Garage in all those places or find links in the show notes. And that will do it for this episode. Thank you again so much for listening. And until next time, keep it snob free. 